I'm Brian Carpenter, host of Fresh Air at Five, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Dave Cucci, a former Christian school superintendent and president of Christian Schools International. He has 40 years in education and he recently participated in Lead by Design, a program meant to bring leaders from different sectors of society to learn about each other's roles. What a cool opportunity this is to learn. And you're going to get some good stuff. Awesome talk. Thanks for listening. Oh, by the way, it would be so cool if you would go to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash reviews, and left a review. Could you do that for me? You know, another way you could do it is go straight to Apple or whatever podcast host you listen to me on. Thanks for doing that. Enjoy the show. Boone Titanium Rings, found on the web at boonrings.com, is an affiliate partner of Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12. And I'm also a customer. I have this really cool ring that's got these carved pistons and, and stars in it. I love it. They make rings of titanium that are carved, laser cut, and engraved, as well as they have inlays of many types of materials like meteorite, acrylic, wood, carbon fiber, and so many other types. They also have special collections that are incredible designs. One of the top sellers are the Gamer Rings, the Stealth Series, and the Black Zirconium. As a note, they also make earrings, pendants, cufflinks, and for you musicians, they make cool trumpet mouthpieces. Love it. Go to boonrings.com and at checkout, use my code. Capital T, capital L, capital L, capital K, number 12, and you'll get 10% off your purchase. So go check them out. I love my ring, and I know that you will love yours. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Dave Cucci served as superintendent of Grand Rapids Christian Schools and uh, president of Christian Schools International over his 40-year career in education leadership. Dave was among K-12 and private sector business executives who completed a year-long journey during the COVID pandemic in which they immersed themselves in one another's leadership roles. Roger Price, founder of Leading by Design in Grand Rapids, Michigan, offered the framework that led to the creation of the program. And we're going to get into this today. And uh, Dave, I'm glad to have you here. Thanks for joining me and say hi to everybody. Steve, thanks for the invitation. And I'm just honored to be invited into your network today. Well, glad to have you here. And uh, before we uh, talk about anything else, let's talk about you as president of Christian Schools International. Could you share a little about the why of this organization? What's it exist for? Yeah, sure. It was probably 100 years ago when uh, maybe 15 school leaders, and by the way, that was before my time, in case you're wondering, uh, about 15, <laughs> Sorry. 15 school leaders got together in Chicago. These were Christian school leaders at the time. Got together in Chicago and just raised the question, is there anything we could do better together than um, individually? And out of that congregation morphed a membership slash trade organization. And a hundred years later, um, that organization uh, does um, three primary things for uh, its member schools. Uh, has, it has a division on leadership development and governance, where its focus there is on executive leadership development, identifying prospective school leaders, um, taking them into some introductory stuff. 
as well as uh, board governance um, over the last well, 15 years um, um, uh, while I was there, uh, we began to spend a significant amount of time just looking at the interface between the boardroom and the uh, senior executive leadership space. So leadership development is one division, another division, uh, school improvement and accreditation. Um, we developed a uh, relationship with, with advanced ed, uh, most of our schools being Christian schools wanted a faith-based overlay to on what it was they were doing. And uh, so we developed this interesting relationship with advanced ed where um, uh, when our schools were accredited, they were accredited by us as well as advanced ed. And then uh, a, a division on learning services and that just as needs changed, um, uh, the focus of that thing changed. Um, uh, um, develop some product on occasion, uh, but most of that is, was conversation around how we do our work. So um, mostly not North American. Uh, uh, right now, there's probably 400 or so schools that are part of the network. Very, very cool. Very cool. I appreciate you sharing that. That's awesome. The, uh, I, you know, one of the things I got to make sure I ask you, you've had over 40 year, uh, a 40 year career in education leadership. I mean, what do you like about serving in this capacity? I get that question answered a, a, a lot. It wasn't, what, what do I like? It was always, what did I like? So I retired in 2015 and I'm often asked the question, so Dave, what do you, what do you, what do you miss the most? Um, and, and quite frankly, when I reflect on that, uh, what I miss most about the K-12 space was the mess that um, I was always a part of. So the mess, like, so how do you, how do you serve all kids regardless of learning complexities? How do you do that? Uh, how, do you, how do you navigate conflicting expectations in a school community? Um, how do you gather collective energy to push against this powerful inertia in schools to have tomorrow look just like yesterday? How do you develop a sense of passion for tomorrow in a kid who simply has no dream for tomorrow? Um, uh, I love the opportunity to help shape a place of sanctuary for kids where someday they would reflect back and know what an influence that particular school had on them. And today as a coach and a trainer, I'm, I'm honored, quite frankly, to be brought back into that same mess. That is so cool because that's, because it is, education is exactly that. If, and and it's never a dull moment if you, you know, if you're someone who cares and wants to do what's right by kids. And so yeah. you know, I love the way yeah. you're describing it as a, as that mess. Cause that's, cause it is, it's, you know, how do I get, how do I get, how do I get into this mess? Right. Exactly. <laughs> and why know, do I like it? And why do I like it? Yes. You know, it's, right. I did this to myself. Exactly. That's what, you know, that's I, right. you have those conversations yeah. with people. And you say, just, I just want to remind you that I, was not forced to take this position. Okay, that's right. Yeah, I chose this mess. Right, right. I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So, so part of what we're talking about here is that you participated in a, in a group that's uh, in a program that's uh, leading by design, founded by Roger Price. Can you tell us a little bit about what its purpose is and how you got involved? Yeah. yeah. So you can imagine, uh, Steve. After forty years in the business, I I touched a lot of. Uh, capacity growing opportunities through you name it, uh, courses, conferences, uh, workshops, uh, on and on and on and on. When when I was introduced to Roger, um, 
I was intrigued because here's this engineer who was intrigued by this notion that learning is a function of just taking a few key concepts of effective leadership and then contextualizing those concepts into one's own personal experience, then take a deep dive reflecting on those experiences and then just thoughtfully reflect on what, 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 what have I done differently or what will I do differently um, when I experience something similar to this uh, in the future? I was impressed with his pedagogy. When I told him that, he said, I have no idea what you mean when you say pedagogy. What, what, what does awesome. that mean? That's uh, awesome. And so I had explained to him, well, that's probably education jargon. But, but I was impressed with this notion where these, these folk would just throw out a concept. And then in small groups, when I say small, I'm talking small, the, the, the Cohorts were like nine people, nine men and women, and those nine were divided into three groups of three. And so in that group of three, you take that that little nugget of what somebody says is a, a piece of effective leadership, and, and you just ask, so how does that work for you? Um, what are you thinking about when you think about this? And when doesn't it work for you? And then in addition to that, then a coach comes alongside of each of these participants to take a deeper dive into those concepts. And, and then these are questions like, so wh- wh- what, what, are, what are you thinking about now when you think about that particular, particular concept? Um, when you think about m- moving forward, um, what goes through your head? What, what might you do differently? And then a really powerful nugget enters into it. As a coach, you say, you, you wouldn't mind if I just shot you a note in a couple of weeks just to see how you're doing on that, would you? And what's powerful about that, and, and, and actually that was, that was, to me, that was the trump card of leading by design, was the sense that most leaders know what to do. They just don't take the time to do it. And, and if you have somebody kind of coming alongside of you and just ne- just nudging you, say, hey, yeah, you, you mentioned two weeks ago you were thinking about you were going to do this. How's that going for you now? So, so 400 industry leaders um, in, in, in throughout Western Michigan have, have participated in this program over the last four or five years or so. And, and they, they still keep talking about how this experience has made them a better leader. So Roger asked me if I'd be willing to be part of a small team and just form an opinion on whether or not this particular framework would work and make sense in the education space. So that's what we're about doing now. That is really cool because I, I, you know, just just by reading what I what I know about it, it makes sense uh, to be able to have these types of discussions, which we're going to get into in a second. But I just. Uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Thank you. I, you know, and just to kind of take it into some more specifics here, I mean, you were among a group of K through 12 and private sector business executives who, who finished this, um, this group. You participated in the Leading by Design group. And, you know, is there something that you'll take away from that that you hope you never forget? I mean, that's just something you'll always remember yeah. about the experience? Sure, sure. Again, again, remember that I don't know that I ever had an opportunity in my 40 years to do um, leadership thinking in a group that included someone other than educators like myself who were doing thinking about leadership. And, 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 and so this kind of homogeneous group called educational leaders, we come together and we reflect and we ponder 
and 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 there's there's a sense sometimes that you know we're like second cousins to the real leaders out there and um and and we feel that way sometimes because you know you get beat up a little bit in the media and everybody has an opinion on education and so forth so now here we are we're sitting here with industry leaders thinking about the same stuff and and so your question about what do i remember um here's here's what i remember i i remember how how good it felt when we started to wrestle with how important it was to think about this kind of razor sharp focus on mission and purpose where the industry leaders were saying, you know, you guys think about that a lot more than we do. I mean, actually you guys are pretty good at that. You guys are pretty good at that. Um, and, and, and then, and then another memory was, um, you know, part of the, part of the content is talking about how everything is connected to everything else, you know, living systems, and, and we begin to talk about all of these uh, quasi-affinity infinity, groups, excuse me, that we have in, in the education space, of which there are numerous. And our industry leaders are saying, my goodness, your work is so complicated. You know, when we close the office in Toledo, the only people who care are the people who worked in the office in Toledo. When you decide to close a neighborhood school, you're getting letters from grandparents 2,000 miles away. I love it, yes. <laughs> and, and, and so that was kind of affirming. All of a sudden, we education leaders are saying, yeah, we know, we, I, guess I, I think we know something about this thing called, called organization and organization growth. The flip side of that coin was finding myself thinking about stuff I never thought about before, like um, differentiation. So... How does your school differentiate itself from all the other schools in the in the community? Uh-huh. I never never thought of that. We're all we're just schools, you know. And, and well, I went on everybody's webpage and everybody says excellence and everybody says growth. Everybody uses the same words. It kind of sounds like you're all alike. And that challenge to to look at your collection of, of, of assets, both monetary assets and human assets, and saying, okay, what's going to differentiate us from the rest of the pack? was interesting conversation to get involved in. And then um, this return on investment, we in education don't think about it too much, although my background was faith-based school, so I always had to compete against free. Um, And and so we thought about that a bit. Um, But that notion of value add um, was uh, was an interesting concept, Uh, uh, one that, quite frankly, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about until I was part of this group. So those are, those are three or four things that came to my mind as a result of your question. All right, so what, what are you likely never to forget? Um, those are the things I will never forget having been part of this. That's awesome. I, I love it. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, by the way, you made me think of, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure most of the other industries don't get letters from uh, relatives. <laughs> Especially after graduation, who want to explain to you? That's right. <laughs> how they wish that it that's had right. gone. And that's right. That is true. That is true. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And so, uh, just as a just as a side note, I've had my share of those, and uh, yeah, some of them very yeah. impactful too. That's sure, but, sure, uh, good stuff. I uh, I like that. That's that's neat because you know it is interesting when people can you know just feel like they don't belong or something like this, and then when you come together you know, start identifying some similarities or um, where, you know, th- things that are, 
you know, different. And, uh, uh, but at the same time, the decisions that we're starting to make, you know, or having to make, um, where it's, it's, you know, impressing them a little bit, I guess, because of this type of stuff so. you have to deal with. I think so. That's cool stuff. I, you know, one of the things uh, I, I got to, let's talk briefly about the idea that leadership skills can be inherent, but often need to be learned, whether by experience or through participating in leadership development. Can you kind of go with that just a little bit? I mean, I, you know, this idea that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I, I, I don't know that one is just, I do know that one is just not born a leader, um, but there may be some, there may be some instinct that draws us into um, uh, leadership positions for one reason or another. But when you, when you, you asked me in your question and you include that word experience, what experience gives us, there is no doubt in my mind that, um, we learn because we want to change behavior. So we do leadership development because we want to become more effective leaders. We want to change our behavior. And, and that happens, that happens um, in this way, I believe. And I think this is true. I think 70% of what I learn when I think about how do I improve myself tomorrow is based on a reflection of my own past experiences, 70%. 20% comes from the feedback that I get from others. And 10% comes from reading a book, going to a conference, taking a course. And there, we've got science to back that up. So when you think about learning, when you think about learning, say, okay, what does it take? 90% of learning is reflecting on experience and listening to others talk to us about our work. There are precious few, precious few training programs out there that understand that power and that reality. And that's what caught my attention when I was introduced to Roger Price. Uh, you can't ignore content. You can't ignore content. But quite frankly, quite frankly, 90% of my growth and development is more on my taking the time to reflect and being held accountable for that. Yeah, that's, it's so awesome because it's, it's, you just think about, I mean, if you think about the different people you've come in contact over the years, um, whether mentors, not officially, whether um, people who've uh, made a difference in you know, just something that they did that made yeah. you change the way you behaved after mm -hmm. that. You know, I, I, it's just, it's just such a powerful tool that uh, this idea of interacting with others and then, uh, and then having that experience or, you know, or something in between that, as opposed to, I mean, I've read a lot of books. I've read a lot, I've gone to a lot of sure. conferences we and, all have. And, and yeah, they've made an impact, but not. And not, it's good stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But not quite the way that the, <laughs> the, learning by doing <laughs> or yeah, being right. forced into and going back to that word you use mess. Um, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. They, uh, you know, um, one of the things that uh, I got to do is could you talk about discovering that vitriolic debates among parents over mask mandates and curriculum aren't all that different from splits in the boardroom over budgeting and pandemic supply chain disruptions. Uh, I love this, this comment. Um, that uh, you start finding some common ground here that we have, yeah. uh, we get angry about things. 
Yeah. Um, well, we're, we're, we're certainly a society of strong beliefs. And, and when my beliefs butt up against your beliefs, my emotions tend to rise. And when my emotions rise, I'm less able to see my own blind spots. And when I lose all desire to see my own blind spots, all that matters is that I'm right and you're wrong. And when I'm right and you're wrong, we're no longer fighting problems, but we're fighting each other. And when we're fighting each other, boardrooms get stormed into and leadership team members walk out of the room. That reality repeats itself over and over again today. So while we school leaders will, were feeling burdened by all the anguish, uh, particularly in the last 24 months, um, where it seems like all the stuff we were designed and empowered to do, we push off to the side and now all of our energy is on, do we wear a mask, do we don't wear a mask? parent calls and says, well, if you aren't going to make kids wear masks, then my kids aren't going to go. And then the other parent calls and says, if you're going to make kids wear masks, my kids are going to stay. And, and um, we, we as educators felt like we were sort of in a, in a bubble. And then we listened to our, our colleagues in industry, and they're dealing with exactly the same stuff, exactly the same stuff. Um, uh, I don't know if that makes us feel any better. Um, but it makes us feel less picked on. Um, uh, and, and, um, and so to have those conversations around, so how do you navigate your way through that? Um, uh, and to develop kind of our own perspective of how we navigate our way through that um, was, was probably more powerful than if I were just sitting in a room with 10 of my education colleagues trying to think through the same stuff. That is so interesting because, you know, and I could just see you having these discussions and, uh, you know, cause it is one of those things where you, you're not going to win because you got one side. I mean, in, in, in our state, we have a couple of school systems that, uh, never stopped going to school and never made a mass mandate and they're in smaller communities and the community mm -hmm. said, that's the way we wanted it. Well, just up the road, we, we had a meeting about this recently where the, where two of the superintendents, complete opposite communities. The other community yeah. said, oh, you better make everybody wear masks. And <laughs> you're so stuck in trying to yeah. deal with something like that. And, um, you know, there is no, you know, just as soon as you've answered the question for one person, then you're in trouble on the other side because the other side's upset. And I can imagine the types of things that you run into <laughs> <laughs> in the in the corporate world that uh, in the business world that happened the same way and I and I, and I got a feeling that you, you could feel that kind of respect coming when they realize yeah. some of the stuff yeah. that you deal with so I like that that's good stuff you know it's um, you know anytime we can find a way to find a common ground that we're actually not that far off from each other right right yeah that's good stuff uh, you know uh, so Let's talk a little bit. Let's go into this a little bit. I mean, why do you think um, working towards common solutions is difficult for some organizations? Maybe it's maybe it's difficult for all organizations. Um, 
I, I don't want to oversimplify. Um, as soon as, okay, I'm going to ask Dave a question. He's got like two bullet points here. And now oh, that sounds really easy. So let's, let's no, no, why, why didn't I think of that? Um, but at the risk of oversimplifying here, Steve, um, let me use the, let me use the visual of a tree. So a tree has leaves, a tree has a trunk, and a tree has roots underneath the ground. Roots represent my values and my beliefs and my passions and what, what, I, what I believe to be true. Um, those, those aren't on display, but those are, those are kind of my, my anchors. And, and the more exaggerated the differences are at that root level the more difficult it's going to be to arrive at some kind of common solution the more aligned we are at that kind of rooted level um, common values common beliefs common passions the more likely we are to navigate our way towards a common understanding around uh, purpose and vision. That's one piece. And then, then the second piece, uh, uh, when I think about coming up with common solution, does speak to culture. I don't want to oversimplify this either. You know, the old notion, well, culture culture eats strategy for lunch. Um, well, we certainly know that toxic culture gobbles up any attempt to reach common understanding. And, and so why is it that some institutions seem to do a better job at aligning around common sense of vision and purpose and understanding? It's probably because at the rooted level, there's more commonality around values and beliefs. Um, uh, and that then breeds a culture that tends to be non-toxic, which then um, breeds uh, at least mores and behaviors around, this is how we carry on conversations and this is how we do our work. So I don't want to oversimplify that, but I, I do think if we were to put two organizations under the microscope, we could we would see some profound differences underneath the surface, which makes this happen. Gotcha. You know, it's it's interesting because right now I would get some funny looks from my family for what I'm about to say, but uh, I get a little excited about baseball. All right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and when I say excited, I mean you know at that. Uh, yeah, I'm questioning what the the decision making abilities of the uh, everyone from the umpires to the manager, and uh, and you know it's it's funny because you know that obviously is sports and it's uh, as my wife likes to tell me, you know it is one game out of 162 plus. What does it matter <laughs> to you? You know, <laughs> you're not getting paid and you're not getting. <laughs> but I you know and I bring this around to to talk about sometimes what our individual thoughts are about what we're doing inside the company is, you know, or the organization is just, well, it's my idea or it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's I know I'm right. or something. I know like I'm that. right. Yeah. 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 We just run into that uh, so often, which is what brings me to my next question, which is, you know, you know, as a leader, some excel at bringing people together. I mean, they, they just, they excel at bringing their constituents together but other leaders don't. 
I mean, what do you think about that one? Yeah. One of the, one of the things that um, when, when I talk about Roger and his pedagogy, uh, if we look at his content, it's, the, the content is really just three, three, three buckets. The first bucket is you look yourself in the mirror and you ask yourself the question, so what makes me a leader worth following? Um, so let's just stop there a minute, um, uh, particularly as it relates to the ability uh, to bring constituents together. So if I'm a leader that understands the power of listening understands the power of dignifying the disgruntled voice, understands um, how important it is for me, the leader, to know what my blind spots are. Uh, if I'm a leader who, who, who can articulate a pretty razor-sharp focus on why we exist as an organization, kind of purpose and, and, and vision and so forth, then, you know, not all the heated discussions are going to go away. But, but now I'm, I'm anchored. I'm anchored in some cultural values that are important to me, um, where, where, where those values dignify the you, if you will. Um, uh, and we all understand what it is we're trying to do together. We, we actually have a better understanding better 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 chance of coming up with a kind of a common understanding so it, it really it does go back to um culture it goes back to what's my sense of 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 where where power comes from in this organization um yeah, does it come from me the leader does it come from you working on the ground floor um it speaks to culture so so Leaders who are better at coming up with a common understanding are doing it on a bed of mutual respect and understanding. That's so powerful because I think some people, some of our compatriots, <laughs> colleagues, or whatever, just they miss they they've missed that boat, and it's you know it's one of those things that if you've ever been someplace where you go, yeah, I'm glad I'm just visiting and don't work here. <laughs> yeah. Then you get the yeah. feeling where I'm going with that because it's... Uh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that uh, um, i would got to make sure we talk about, and I wondered if you got into this in the in the ex, um, when you were part of the Leading by Design program, um, what, what, te- what, you know, what tips do you have for new organizational leaders for addressing controversial topics? Because we definitely have them today. Yeah, yeah. Well, at the risk of repeating myself, but let me repeat myself. Um, uh, everything we do does lie on the bed of institutional culture that we're trying to nurture. Um, everybody values their employees, they say. But do we value our employees? Um, uh, how, how do we know? Um, uh, how, do, how do we know that? Where are we getting our information from? Um, what does it really mean that this is a safe place? We all say it's a safe place, but how do we know that it's a safe place? And as a leader, if I'm intentional about understanding whether or not this place is safe, whether or not we really value all employees, um, uh, that's important. We're, where does brilliance come from in our organization? 
Um, if our culture suggests that brilliance comes from one office, um, that speaks to the culture in this place. If, 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 if our organization demonstrates that brilliance comes from multiple places throughout the organization, uh, uh, and that we empower brilliance because it comes from all, that speaks to this bed of how, how, how are we going to deal with controversial subjects? So you got a flavor now. You got a flavor of, oh, okay, where would you rather deal with a difficult issue? One where the culture is really toxic or one where we really do value people. Uh, so that's a piece of it. Um, I think it's important that we develop a framework for, for, for how we, how we, how we fight problems rather, rather than people. And, and, and maybe that's another conversation around how do you manage conflict and all of that. We could get to that in a, you know, at, at another time. But it is important that we have an understanding together for how do we deal, uh, what framework are we going to use. And then we use that framework. So the more I lean into these difficult conversations, um, not only the easier is that, um, but it's the, the less defensive we get when we're, dealing, we're, when we're leaning into those difficult conversations. Um, and then, you know, again, I don't want to oversimplify this and I want to sound like this old guy who said, well, that too will pass, but quite frankly, that too will pass. Um, uh, it just does. Um, uh, uh, and then finally keep a sense of humor. My goodness. Don't take yourself so seriously. Don't take yourself so seriously. If you can't look at each other and just, you know, some of the, th- some of the mess we deal with Steve is so messy um, I don't know if we're supposed to cry or laugh, but before we start crying, let's at least start laughing. Uh, again, that's that's. Um, uh, I don't want to. I, I don't want to under, underestimate the power of just. Can we just giggle sometimes about some of the stuff we're dealing with? I love that. I you know the sometimes it's so difficult for someone to see. That you know there is actually some funniness here, and uh, <laughs> you know, and if we could just do that. You know, where we could have a nice little chuckle over um, whatever's caused us to be. Whatever it is. Yes. Whatever it is. Whatever it yeah. is. And, and, and then maybe see the commonality where we're, tr- whatever it is we're trying to address or whatever. And I think sometimes it's so difficult to, to bring people, you know, for them to see that. That's, that's why I brought my baseball thing, you know, because it's like, I yeah. swear that ump last night was just. Uh, he needs some glasses, but uh, you know, it's, you know <laughs> the guy in front of me was rooting for the other team, so he may not. <laughs> and we might have been watching the same game last night. <laughs> <laughs> I it, think we were. <laughs> I think we were too. And but it's like uh, you know, and it, it's the same thing though when we work because sometimes we just get so you know it. it, it we get so caught up in in so much of it, and it, and part of it's because we care, but uh, I think if we can just see the some funniness there someplace yeah. that it might help us get, get along with each yeah. other. So I love that. I, I like that a lot. Uh, um, Dave, this is, this has been awesome talking with you. And before we close, could you let everyone know, or, you know, if, if you, where they could find out more maybe about leading by design. And if, if you'd like them to connect with you, what, I mean, Oh, what sure. Like sure. Um, real easy. Just Google leading by design.com. Uh, simple as that. And we'll take it from there. Awesome. And I will make sure that is in the show notes so that they can find all that information there. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind, I got two questions I'd like to ask that have nothing to do with what we've been talking about, but okay. uh, I just like okay. to ask my guests. Yeah. And the first one is this, if, if you have so much going on that you become overwhelmed, how do you overcome the desire to quit? 
Well, I'm, well, now I'm disappointed that you had two more questions because um, I don't know where to start with this one here. Um, uh, you know, again, um, the desire to quit, we, 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 can't, we can't oversimplify that reality. Um, and in my coaching sessions, I talk about the rat's gnaw. We end every one of them by saying, okay, the rat's gnaw is when you get up in the morning and you're taking a shower, what's eating away at your gut? What's eating away at your gut? Let's deal with that. That rat's gnaw used to be once a month. Now it's every other day, and it's a different rat every other day. So just keep coming at you, coming at you, coming at you. So, 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 so for when somebody says, I don't know that I can do this anymore, let me remind that person they're not the only one who's feeling that way right now. You don't stand alone. And in this business of education leadership, Oftentimes, we feel pretty isolated, particularly in times when we're at that point where we're not sure we can go any further, um, uh, uh, period. So that's one. Um, find time to block out the noise, whatever it takes. You have your own strategy. Just whether it's I don't look at emails from you know midnight on Friday to midnight on Saturday. You figure it out, but you figure out a way to block out that noise for a while, just to clear your head. Um, find a critical friend. Find find somebody that you can just kind of get ugly with and it's not going to come back to haunt you. Because uh, sometimes you just kind of clean out your system, you know. Um, uh, it's not going to come back to haunt Somebody who, who knows your space and who, who has a sense for you as a person. And then step back and ask yourself, is there really another profession that I could engage in that would have such a profound impact on the world we live in tomorrow? My guess is most would find themselves saying, you know what, I think I'm going to hang in here because I can't think of another profession that has a greater opportunity for a more profound impact on tomorrow than the one that I'm dealing with right now. That is so powerful because I think sometimes it all comes crashing down, or at least that's the way we feel. And then it's so yes. tempting to give in to that, that feeling when, oh, it is. if we could just put yeah. what you just said on a little placard above our door or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I like that. Cause it's, you know, it's, it, it, it sometimes just can just feel that way. And it's like, uh, you know, and it's, uh, it's one of those things where we need that escape or we need that ability to re readjust our, our thinking or yeah. something like that. So yeah, good stuff. Uh, last question. Uh, Dave, do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? I do. Bob DeConey, U.S. government teacher, 1968. Bob, I've carried your passion for students, your love for learning, your sense of humor, and your ability to challenge the underperformed students with me for the past 55 years. Today, thousands of men and women who have been touched by me over the years carry a piece of you and your inspiration. We all thank you, Bob, from the bottom of our heart. I'm glad you asked that question, Steve. I, his name just quickly came to mind. Boom. 
he's he's still living today. He's ninety some years old. Wow. Um, um, maybe I can figure out a way to get him this message now that you asked me the question. That would be cool. That would be cool. I always uh, kind of kick myself because there's people who had the impact on me that I always wish I'd reached out to them. Yeah. And let them know. Uh, thank you so much, Dave, for sharing that. And and Dave, it was awesome talking with you. Thanks for introducing us to your experiences and lead by design and your thoughts about leading and addressing challenges. Uh, wishing you the very best in all that you do. Thank you so much, Steve. Honor to be with you today. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.